Christianity and conflict are tied together. You cannot be a Christian without experiencing certain levels of conflict. And we experience conflict in three areas. Number one, inward conflict. We experience inward conflict as Christians because it's conflict by nature, by the dueling parts of nature. When you become a Christian, you got to understand Christ was not Jesus' last name. Jesus the Christ was more appropriate with what they were saying. The, the Christ was the announcement that the Christos, or the anointed one, and his anointing had fallen upon Jesus, that Jesus was operating under the anointing of the Spirit of God. And when you say you are a Christian, you are also announcing that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is active in your life, moving in your heart, leading and guiding you. And that's wonderful, and it's beautiful, but that's not the only thing you got in you. Hallelujah. You got the Holy Spirit, but that's not all you got. Because when God saves us, he does not remove our flesh nature. So we have the nature of God from the Holy Spirit, and we also have the flesh nature. And that puts us every day in every way in conflict. Because Paul said, I've noticed a war in my members. When I try to do right, wrong is still present in me. And when I try to do wrong, right's there trying to talk me out of it. So I'm always in some level of conflict with myself on the inside. You don't have to raise your hand, but you've never really lived the Christian life until you know what it's like to walk around like a paranoid schizophrenic because you make a decision to do one thing and everything in you starts fighting. And then you make a decision to do another thing and everything in you starts fighting again. They sassed you, talked crazy to you, called you out of your name, and everything in your nature wanted to slap them. And then everything in your Holy Ghost told you to love them and forgive them. And so you got one hand up to slap them, and then you got one part of you rising up to be kind and show love, and you just walk out of the store in conflict. That's the nature of being a Christian. We go through inward conflict. Only a Christian is on their way to go somewhere to do something they shouldn't do and pray to God that they won't go. Praying to God that they won't get there. Lord, block me from being able to go. Lord, stop me from being able to do this. Lord, I don't even want to do this. And then you do want to do it. And then you don't want to do it. You feel crazy half the time because there's conflict on the inside. Does anybody know what I'm saying? There's conflict. So we have conflict on the inside. Number two, we have conflict on the outside, outwardly with people. Being a Christian is painful. There, there, there comes a, a certain amount of rejection that, that goes along with it. And um, so, so we run into the church for a place of solitude. Because uh, if you are a Christian and you're doing your best to live your life according to the principles of the Word of God, you know, it, it's challenging to have close, deep relationships with people who do not share your faith. And so you run into the church to find some good people, you know, like you, some, some nice people, some people that won't lie on you, some people that won't disrespect you, some people that won't talk about you and gossip about you like a dog, you know, some people that won't borrow money from you and then forget to pay you back for six years. You know, you, you look for that in the church and then we're shocked that we come into the church and other saved people have issues too. And, and we get in conflict with other people, okay? Sometimes even in the church, we get in conflict. Sometimes even in Christian homes and Christian families where they say the blessing over the meal before they eat anything in the world, there's still conflict. There can be conflict in a Christian's marriage. Imagine you got two Christians being led by Jesus and you still fight. Some of y'all fought all the way to church today. Okay, love Jesus, you know, but, but there's conflict. And then finally, number three, we deal with conflict from our adversary, Satan. In 1 Peter, the apostle, he says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. Everyone say your adversary. That's what you have to remember about the devil. He is your adversary. He is your enemy. When you accept the calling of God on your life, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you're doing your best to read his word, when you've accepted that God has a purpose for you and that there's a reason that you're here, 
you add your name to the hit list of hell. There are demons that are assigned to try to discourage you, to try to thwart you, to try to attack you, to try to rob you of peace, rob you of sleep. You are always in some level of spiritual attack, some level of warfare. Some, they're so intense that we can actually feel them physically. Some, we can only discern spiritually, but there is spiritual warfare going on all the time in the kingdom of God, and it just boils down to conflict. And if you're not dealing with one of these three areas, you're dealing with the other one. If you're not dealing with inward conflict, you're dealing with outward conflict. If you're not fighting with yourself right now, you're probably fighting with people. If you're not fighting with yourself or people, you're fighting with the devil. And when you get done with one area, another area pops up. You have no time to take a breath. You have no time to take a break. If it's not this, it's that. If it's not that, it's the other. And we live in a cyclical pattern pattern of warfare with the conflicts in our lives. And Paul told us that we were in a fight and he told us that in the fight, God did not leave us without weapons. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He even describes the weapons. He talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, having our feet covered and shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He talks about the mighty sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But then he stands back from all of it and says, but above all, take with you the shield of faith. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize through the scripture, my one defense system against all three areas of conflict, whether I'm going through inner conflict with my mental health or with my decisions or with my habits or with my vices or with my struggles, or whether I'm going through outer conflict with people that are acting crazy all the time, or whether I'm dealing with spiritual warfare from my adversary, the devil, the answer is always the same. Faith is my defense. Faith is my shield. Faith is my way out of the conflict. And that helps me know why it's so important for me to come to church because I come to church that I might hear the word because faith comes by hearing the word. So no matter what level of conflict I'm in, inner conflict with myself, outer conflict with people, or I'm fighting the enemy in a spiritual way, when I come to church and I hear the word of God, my faith is built up so that I have the defense I need to get through the area of conflict that I'm facing. You made the right decision to come to church today. And Elijah was... Elijah was a man of faith. In the text we read, our text finds him in the middle of conflict on multiple fronts. He is outnumbered 450 to 1. There's 450 false prophets of Baal chanting their lies and their heresy. And then he is one prophet of God that has emerged from the shadows and has the boldness to speak the truth. And when you're outnumbered, you, you normally don't have a lot of boldness. When you're outnumbered, you normally don't have a lot of confidence. You may think that you're going to get through it. You may think that you're going to survive, but you're going to get through it quietly if you're outnumbered. But I see faith operating in Elijah's life in the text, and I see the faith from his attitude. Because it's 450 to 1, and he's the one making challenges. He's the one mocking them, saying, call on your God a little louder. He's, he's the one doing all the talking because radical faith makes radical claims. And real faith, listen to me, real faith always has a voice to it. Don't walk around saying you have faith, but you're never talking your faith. Don't walk around it thinking or, or saying that you believe God is going to bring you through when you're never saying, I believe God is going to bring me through. A, a, a lot of times we say we have a faith that there's no evidence for to prove. And, and, and so when you're going through trouble and you're going through difficulty and you're going through storms, the real sign that you have real faith is what's coming out of your mouth. Faith always makes a sound. Faith always says something. 
faith doesn't complain all day and, and murmur all day and talk about the problem all day and then just hope God works it out at the end. No, you got to talk while you're going through it. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't see a way. But I believe God is going to bring me out of this. And, and he says, uh, tell you what, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And his claim was so bold, it was so brash, he was talking so much junk that they had to accept his challenge because real faith will put you in challenging circumstances on purpose. Listen to me. Real faith will put you in positions where if God doesn't move, you're toast. That's what real faith does. Real faith will step out on nothing but God and then dare to believe that he'll hold you up when you step out. And Elijah, he's, he's doing that in the text. And in his story, in his experience, I see three things that faith brought to him in his conflict. And these are three things that your faith will bring to you in the middle of a conflict. The, the three things are this. A sign. Everybody say a sign. A, sign. a sound. A storm. Sign. Sound, storm. Number one, a sign. Faith led Elijah to ask God for a sign, a public sign, a sign that proved God was with him and on his side. That's what he was doing when he said, I tell you what, the God that can make fire, real, literal, burning fire fall down out of heaven, let's let that God be God. That's a bold claim of faith. That's a bold test of faith. And yet it was his faith that led him to do it. Faith led Elijah then to go soak an altar with water. If you're trying to build a fire. This, and I want you to see how bodacious the faith was. He was trying to make a point. What he was doing was he was setting an atmosphere of expectation and saying, God, use my life to be a public sign of your power. Faith led Elijah to do all these things. And faith in God will still, it, it hasn't changed since Elijah's day. Faith in God will still bring signs to the life of believers. Jesus Christ in the gospel said this, these signs shall follow them that believe. I want to tell you, God still sends signs. And I want to tell you, God is about to give you a sign. Whoever you are that I came to preach to, he's about to give you a sign that he's with you. A sign that cannot be argued with. A sign that cannot be denied. A proof that almighty God is with you and working on your behalf and 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 God will give if you've been walking with the Lord for a while if you look back over your life I know you can point to at least a couple of signs a couple of times where you can point at something and say that didn't make no natural sense that had to be the work of the Lord that had to be God and these signs serve as mile markers for our faith, that we can look back over our lives at certain key points where God gave us signs. He gave us proofs. He gave us something undeniable. And it's meant to, it's meant to serve you in the moment. You know, when you get the sign and you're so happy and you're shouting, I mean, when you get a real sign from God, it'll blow your mind. It'll make you happy. It'll fill you with joy. But, but. After the moment, you, you live a few, you, you look back and you, 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 you deduce to yourself with deductive reasoning. You say, you know what? If God was able to do that for me back then, then whatever it is that I am facing now, I'm not going to let it depress me. I'm not going to let it discourage me. I'm certainly not going to let it defeat me because I know the God that gave me a sign back then is able to do for me what I need him to do right now. It's a sign. So to answer the conflict with the enemy, okay, the adversary, God gives a sign. Okay? To shut the devil down, God gives a, a sign. And Elijah's happy, but 
but even the victory is bittersweet because even after the sign, it's beautiful, you know? Fire was falling out of heaven. But he looks around and he's still in a drought. He's in a dry place. Now, only a few of you know what it's like. You know what it's like to experience God move in your life in a powerful way and yet go back home to a dry place. I mean, you experience the glory of God and the touch of God in the service and you go out and get in your car and you crank it and all of a sudden you're right back in, in a dry place. Marriage is in a dry place. God's moving. Good stuff happening, but dry place. Our finances are in a dry place. You know, you got healed, and that's amazing, and you're thankful for the healing. The fire fell. You got healed. That's awesome, and, and you're about to be evicted. Dry place. You know? Or you're, you're seeing powerful things. You're growing. You're developing, but situation with your children has got you in a in a drive place and it's frustrating the the oxymoronic nature of it the polarization of it is frustrating to see power over here and dryness over here and a drought is a strange enemy it's not like the false prophets of Baal he could see them a drought is an enemy that you cannot see have you ever felt or are you feeling now the effects of an enemy that you cannot see I know something's wrong I just don't know what it is I know something's going on I just don't know exactly what's going on I'm dealing with an enemy that I cannot see and I'm dry emotionally pastor I'm dry spiritually pastor I am dry financially I am dry the ground is parched there's no moisture there's no abundance there's there's no strength it, I, I, I'm thirsty and there's no quench for my thirst in sight I have a deep personal aching and desire for something that isn't flowing near me and many times in seasons of dryness you know seasons of dryness they're they're just as dangerous as seasons of attack it's just that seasons of attack threaten to kill you like right now. Seasons of dryness slowly drain you to death. They drain your mental health to death. They drain your emotional health to death. They, they drain your patience to death. They drain your zeal for life and your joy and your desire to even keep living. They will slowly drain it as all of the moisture and the life flows out of you in a dry season and we pray because we have experience with God we just saw God send fire out of heaven with the sign you know well my God if it worked for if it worked for that fight with the enemy maybe it'll work for this internal conflict I'm going through with myself in this dry parched place where nothing is moving and everything is dying God give me a sign No sign. God, I've been faithful. God, I'm leaning on your promise. God, I'm standing on the word. God, give me a sign. No, no sign. And the problem is, God will never send a sign to answer and fix a dry season. For the dry season, there's never a sign. For the dry season, God always sends a sound. Because in the middle of a dry place, it has not rained in three and a half years. Nothing's green. Everything's dead. Everything's drying up. Everyone's standing there looking at Elijah. And you know, we get over miracles so fast, you know. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but if you've ever experienced a miracle, it's like crazy for the first day or for the first week, but we get over it real fast. 
And everybody that had just saw the fire fall down out of heaven, they said, you know, it's amazing that you make fire fall out of the sky. What we really need is water. It's funny how when you need water, God will answer by fire. And he's standing there in a dry place. And he closes his eyes. Because everything around him is cracking. Everything around him is dusty. Everything around him is parched. Everything around him is dry. And he closes his eyes. He said, oh my God. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Let me, let me just make sure you understand how ridiculous this is. He doesn't say, I hear the sound of rain. He says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Faith will enable you to hear things that contradict your circumstances. Did you hear what I said? I said, faith, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Faith will give your ear the ability to hear a sound that contradicts what you're looking at with your eyes and living through in your situation. He stands there and he says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And that's just like God. Because the word of God never comes to you to tell you what you already know. The word of God never comes to you to tell you what you already know and what you already see. The word of God always comes to tell you what you don't know and what you don't yet see. And he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Everybody thinks he's crazy and he looks ridiculous and faith always does. If it's a real word from God, if it's real faith coming at you, it'll be like God talking to you about health when you're walking through sickness. It'll be like God talking to you about prosperity when you are living broke financially. It'll be God talking to you about winning when you have been on a losing streak. It'll be God showing up to you talking about how much he loves you and delights in you when you ain't been following him or reading his word and you're in a backslidden state. Faith always comes and the, the, the writer in the gospels, the, the writer in the New Testament epistles says that God calls those things that are not as though they were because he knows what they will be before he calls them into being. And so in the spirit, God allows him to hear what's coming in his future. And what was coming wasn't just an answer to the problem. What was coming was an abundance that would bring more than enough, more than they needed, more than was required. And I just want to tell you real quick, if you can listen in the spirit, God's sending a sound of an abundance into your spirit ears. God's sending a sound of more than enough. We are in a drought in this nation. Gas prices are as high as they have ever been. The economy's going down. The stock market is down. Rising inflation. All kind of stuff is falling apart. And yet the word of the Lord says to you, abundance is coming. More than enough is coming. Strength is coming. And at first, you may want to kick against it and say, I'm not seeing that. But always remember, God will always let you hear it before he lets you see it. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And I hear that sound over your life. I don't know if you hear what I hear, but I hear that sound over your life. I know it looks bad right now. I know it looks dry right now. I know it looks difficult right now, but I came to announce what I hear. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain standing in a wasteland, standing in a dry place, standing in a parched ground, standing in front of a marriage that's hanging on by a thread, standing in front of a home that's crumbling like dried crackers, standing in front of two people who can't communicate anymore without fighting, standing in front of a child that's addicted to drugs, standing in front of a circumstance financially that you think is going to destroy you. I still hear, I, I, I can't do anything about what I see, but I'm just not hearing what I'm seeing. I'm not hearing your demise. 
I'm not hearing your downfall. I'm not hearing you falling apart. I'm not hearing you going all the way down. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Of rain. Of rain. But, but here's the problem. Even faithful people, even trained people, even good people, you can't lean on them sometimes. Even church people, even some Bible study partners, even some prayer partners, you can't lean on them sometimes. Because when the prophet has the boldness to say, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain, his servant who was trained, his servant who had graduated Bible college, his servant that had walked through his courses and his teaching, his servant that was his disciple, his servant that had seen miracles before, he, he said, he said, oh, you, oh, you hear rain? I don't see nothing. And you got to be careful. When you hear something in your spirit that doesn't line up with what you see on the outside. Oh, not everybody can do it. But when you hear something in your spirit that contradicts the external circumstances that you're looking at on the outside, all of a sudden, you, 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 you have to get it out of your mouth. You, you, you have to get it out of your mouth. You, it's like Joseph telling his dream to his brothers. He, he had to get it out of his mouth. But, but it will cause another stage of conflict with people because they'll look at you and tell you you lost your mind you done taken this religion thing too far you done taken this faith thing too far don't you realize we're in a recession and you're planning on starting a business don't you realize all hell is breaking loose in the economy and you're planning an investment don't you realize you can't buy real estate right now and you're planning on buying a house don't you realize you're making a dumb decision don't you and all of a sudden they start contradicting with, with their seeing, they're contradicting what you're. And that's the real test. That's a bigger test than the 450 false prophets of Baal. The bigger test than the, the people standing in your face wanting to fight you physically is people fighting what you're hearing in the spirit with their natural fears and their natural facts. If you're around people who spit facts and fears more than they do faith, you're in the wrong circle. Wrong circle. Wrong circle. The fact is I'm sick. But I hear healing in my spirit. The fact is, I'm in a financial bind, but I hear prosperity in my spirit. So, so he, keeps, he keeps sending the servant back over and over and over again. And each time he sent him back, it was a test. Each time he sent him back, it, it was God testing Elijah again. Do you have the faith when you're not seeing what you're hearing? to keep looking. I came to tell somebody who's been hearing something in your spirit and you're frustrated this morning because you've not been seeing with your eyes what you're hearing in your spirit. God said to keep looking. And on the seventh time, the, the servant comes back and he said, you know what? There, there is, this is his last dig, his last punch, his last discouragement. Okay. He says, there is something moving. Problem is, it's just a little cloud. I mean, there is a cloud. I, I'm not going to deny it. But thing is, it's a little cloud. It's like, it's like when Jesus asked the disciples in front of 20,000 hungry people, how many loaves do you have? And they said, we only have five small loaves and two little fishes. We do have something, but it's far too little for God to do anything with. We, we do have something, but it's far too little for God to do anything with. It's like when the prophet asked the widow, what do you have in your house? And she said, I ain't got nothing except this little jar of oil. This, this, this isn't enough for God to do something with. This isn't powerful enough for God to change my situation with. It's like when Goliath looked at a little boy named David who had a little slingshot with five little stones. That's too little for God to move with. That's too little for God to give you victory with. That's too little for you to come out of the situation. It's just a little cloud. 
Well, what the servant didn't realize is God gave that cloud. And that cloud was for Elijah's conflict. That cloud was for the nation's conflict. And I came to tell you, miracles always start with little things. Breakthrough always starts with little things. Power always comes through little things. If it would have been a big cloud, the cloud would have got the credit for bringing the rain. But if God could bring a storm of rain through a little crowd, everybody that looked at it would have to know that was the hand of God that brought it. And I'm telling you, Christian world, there's a cloud over your head. There's a cloud of prosperity. There's a cloud of blessing. There's a cloud of increase. There's a cloud of health. There's a cloud of more than enough. There's a cloud of influence. There's a cloud of power. There's a cloud of family breakthrough. There's a cloud of investments. There's a cloud of real estate. There's a cloud of more than enough. There is. Oh, I feel like like preaching now I said there is a cloud over your head everything looks dry right now but there is a cloud over your head and the rain is coming a storm is coming number three God sent a storm through a little tiny cloud God sending a storm of provision God sending a storm of breakthrough God sending a storm of victory God sending a storm of rescue and it's all coming out of a little out of a little out of a little cloud get on your feet and give God praise for little clouds stuff you've been looking over stuff you've been ignoring stuff you didn't think had much in it is coming through It's coming through a little cloud. There's a few people in this section, few people here, few people here. You've been up under unusual conflict. Come quickly. Unusual conflict, either inwardly with yourself, outwardly with people or family, or spiritually from the enemy. There's just a few of you. Come, come, come. The Lord told me to pray over you. The Lord told me to pray over you. Elders, come. I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over you. Everybody gets the same prayer because it's what God gave me. And then the elders and I are going to lay our hands on you. In the name of Jesus. It came to crush your dreams. And it came to push down what God has birthed in your spirit. You may be a woman, but you got a Joseph anointing on you. Joseph had to be the one to care for his family in times of famine. Joseph was the one that had a heart for people that didn't have a heart for him. Joseph was the one that took care of people and was positioned and favored by God with the influence and the resources to take care of people that couldn't take care of themselves simply because they were in his bloodline. Do not be pushed down by it. Don't be threatened by the conflicts or even the negative words. The Spirit of the Lord is working on your behalf and there is a cloud in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. That's what I came to prophesy over you. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. Elders, help me. Pastor John, help me. Let's lay hands on people and just tell them it's a joint prophecy. Oh, there is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. Oh, there is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There. Oh, hallelujah. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is a cloud. There is. There is. Oh, hallelujah. There is.
want you to hear me, hear me real clear, okay? God, God's been showing me things. He'd been showing me signs because, because I know, I know some of you thinking, oh, it's just so dry. Three times this past week, okay, from the office of a prophet, God showed me that he's speeding up, he's speeding up your recovery. He's speeding up your finances, your healing, your recovery. Remember in verse 44, when that little cloud showed up? Please hear me for just, for just a minute, okay? God spoke to me through that little cloud. And he said, when that little cloud, which was a sign, you say, well, Bishop, I wish I had a sign. I'm giving you one right now. I saw in the spirit in a vision three different times this week that God's accelerating. And I said, God, what is that? He said, it's divine acceleration. Everybody say divine celebrate. Divine acceleration is what's, is, that's what's coming that's what's coming. Everything started speeding up when that one little cloud appeared. Are you with me? No, is everybody with me? Everything shifted into divine acceleration and, and, and started fast forwarding. Okay, that's, that's what faith does. When a word from God comes, your faith has to reach out and grab it. Okay, it's not going to just, ha your faith has to, everybody just reach out and grab it right quick. Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it. Now, now, I read on down to 1 Kings eighteen forty six. the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. And first of all, he told Ahab to meet him in Jezreel, which was 20 miles away. And your Bible said, Elijah outran the chariot. I, I hollered at our at our TV people. I, I know it may be too quick for you to put a chariot up there, but but that chariot with two the best steeds in Israel started riding toward Jezreel, and Elijah outran the chariot. Can you see that in the spirit or no? Oh, if you can't, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. When I, when I looked at the scripture and I saw that, when I look at the scripture, I, I, I see pictures. When, when I read the Bible, I, I, I see pictures. And, and I remembered we, we, we had, we, we had a, a designer come out and, and, and look at all the... Uh, premises and he said what y'all need to do is plant bamboo in behind the church to hide all that ugly that's back there and I said okay that sounds great he said because it grows fast but but when I googled bamboo it takes three and a half years for it to sprout because it goes down first it's under the soil. I hope I'm not losing you. It's under the, and I know some of you have been under pressure. You've been under stress. It's been causing health issues because you've been down under. But, but, but you've not been down under to go under. That seed that's in you is going to sprout up. That, now, now look, you, you see these bamboos right here? When they start sprouting up, when that first sprout comes through the soil, bamboo starts growing two inches an hour. In 24 hours, they're up four feet because they come up real quick. Somebody shout divine acceleration. Now, now everybody shout divine acceleration. Now, now, I don't know. You may not need this. And if you don't, that's okay. Okay. But what God spoke to me this morning, okay, that he's going to start speeding and accelerating things in your family, 
in your finances, in your health, in these three areas you've been waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, Bishop, it just feels like I'm going under. I know you've been down under because that seed has to germinate. I didn't mean to spit on you, but it's anointed spit. Don't worry. Uh, but, but when it starts sprouting, can you see it in your spirit right now? Can you see it sprouting up? It's going to start accelerating supernaturally. I saw it once Monday. I saw it twice Tuesday. And then this morning when, when I was just in the word of God, I saw it the third time. And God said, I want you to prophesy divine acceleration divine let me try it over here divine acceleration in your family in your finances in your health whatever you're going through with that contract what, what, whatever you're experiencing if you need divine acceleration I want you to give God 30 seconds of high praise it's getting better I promise you things are getting better I woke up from a dream this morning and God showed me he's accelerating your health and your strength it's gonna come quicker than you think it will it's gonna get better I'm just wanting to seal that word with a little bit of praise here this morning God keeps on getting better right in the middle of the dry summertime. I hear a sound. I see a sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, 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 as I, as I was just sitting, God reminded me about Daniel. I, I was speed riding, okay? Daniel 9 and 2 says that Daniel was in a dry place, like some of you been, like some of you are in right now. He was in a dry place, okay? But he started reading the scripture. He started reading a scroll, the scroll of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah prophesied. And in Daniel 9 and 3, the scripture says that he set his face he I'm sorry. He set his face toward the prophecy. Okay. When I jumped up here and startled my wife, I mean, I've been around her for a hundred years, so I know when she's startled. But God said, "Tell the people they're coming through this. Shout, I'm going through this. You're not there to stay. You're going through." So I want you to set your face toward that prophecy. I'm giving you scripture here this morning. You, Daniel set his face. That's how he made it through lion's dens. That, that's, that's how he made it through, through dry seasons in his life. He would set his face toward the prophecy. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that you're getting through this. Prophecy number one. Prophecy number two is God has divine acceleration in your life activated right now. Somebody shout right now. No, shout right now. Go, go to verse number three and, and you'll see that he set his face. He set his face toward the Lord God. But, but, but Bishop, I don't know what God's saying. Maybe I just told you what he's saying. You're getting through this. If I was you, I'd be writing it down, but I'm not you, so you're getting through this. Well, well Bishop, I don't know whether to believe you or not. Your Bible says, believe in the prophets and you'll prosper. If you don't believe in the prophets, you'll suffer. You'll stay in the drought. Shall divine acceleration is on my life. I'm going to give you one more sign and I'm going to be out of your way. Okay? I was sitting at lunch with Bishop Tudor Bismarck, which is one of the cutting edge prophets 
to the world right now, not to this nation, to the world right now, okay? And, and when I was sitting with him, I, I said, Bishop, before you walk out of this place, and he was here in April, I said, before you walk out of this place, I want a prophetic word out of your mouth spoken over this house. He said, let me carry it. Before he stepped out on the last service, he said, I see crazy money coming. Okay. Somebody shout crazy money. So I'm going to prophesy crazy money coming into your account, coming into your life. Everybody shout crazy money. If you receive those three prophecies that I just gave you, give your God one more high hand pray. It's going to get better. I prophesy to you. It's going to get better. Don't give in. Don't give out. Don't give up. It's going to get better. Now, now, oh, now, last scripture. Last scripture. It just came to me, Genesis 8 and 20 or 22, somewhere in there. God said, as long as the world remains, there'll be cold and heat, summer and winter, seed time and harvest. And what I just heard the Holy Ghost say, there that it's seed, sow, time, and harvest. You say, Bishop, you're adding to the scripture. Okay, then let me back up. Sow, time, and harvest. Because what do you do with the seed? If you need that bamboo to start growing up in your life, I'm, I'm coming to you from, from, from... <laughs> Where was I at? I, I, I'm coming to you in 1 Kings 18.46. When the hand of the Lord, whatever the hand of the Lord touches, you remember the widow? The prophet touched that barrel and it just never ran out. I want you to get a $46 seed, okay? Because faith without action is dead. I mean, if you need, if you don't need it, God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night, and I'll probably pick right back up on this, this bamboo thing, because God decided to accelerate things right here in the middle of the summertime. You say, well, Bishop, there's no, there's no rain in sight. Well, see, my grandfather was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. This is what the Indians used, okay, back in the day. Now, I'm not full-blooded. I'm just saying what they used. Okay, when they needed rain, they'd take these rainmakers. And, of course, they'd start dancing. I'm not going to do my Cherokee dance for you here. But I want this to be a sign to you. I, I mean a sound to you. I, I, I mean maybe it's, maybe it's your sign. Well, I don't see signs. I do. I, I, I want this to be a sign to you that crazy money is coming your way. If you, re, if you can receive the word of the Lord, get a 40, $46 seed. I was in 1 Kings 18, 46. Get you a $46 seed. I'm going to lay my hands on it because his hand's on my hand and my hand's on his hand. I've had his hand and my hand together all week long. Ask my wife about all I've done is prayed and been in the Word all week long. Sometimes I get out of balance because I just spend time praying and in the Word. <laughs> in prayer and in the Word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy crazy money coming into the people's account in the second half of this year in the name of Jesus Christ I prophesy divine acceleration in the name of Jesus Christ I'm praying right now and prophesying that they get through this dryness they, they get through this attack that's on their faith and on their family and on their finances help them get through God said I didn't say God said you're getting through this in the name of Jesus 
this. If you receive it, give God one more high hand praise and bring your seed to the altar. Get that bamboo seed. If you're watching online, get that bamboo seed on the altar. Yeah, you just keep getting better, better, and better. Now, 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 I just lost somebody. I just lost somebody because you're thinking, what? What does a seed, where'd my Bible go? What does a seed have to do with anything? Baby, before the fire, I started seeing all kind of pictures when your pastor was preaching. What, but what does a seed have? You didn't, were you listening when Elijah said, bring two bullocks? We're going to need two bullocks to put on the altar. Okay. The fire didn't fall. God didn't move supernaturally until the bullocks were laid on the altar. But when God moved, did you notice or were you even listening? When the fire fell, it lapped up the wood, which that's natural. It lapped up the water. Uh, that's semi-natural. But I turned to Ron and I said, it's not natural for fire to lap up a stone. I've got stones laid out around my RV at the ranch. So the fire didn't get out of control. And the fire, as hot as it's ever been, has never burnt up a stone. But when God moves, I said, when God gets involved in your life, when he did with the widow, when he did with the sack lunch, when he did when the, it, it lapped up, it ate up the stones that the altar was built of. Father, thank you for your word. We receive your word. Well, Bishop, I just, I still don't feel it. Baby, I'm not trying to get you to feel anything. We don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're still walking by faith, give your God one more high hand praise. I'm going to probably get back in this Wednesday night. I'll see you then in the name of Jesus. But I prophesy the fourth time that you're going to walk out of here better. Your health is going to be better. Your finances are going to be better because you've been in God's house today. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night in Jesus' name.